Nice colors, huh? Oh, I, I love them. Whoa. You know, whenever we start a new series, I'm, I'm just always excited to see what our creative team is going to come up with. And I got to tell you, we have the best team. I mean, every series, yes. And I, I just love it. And so, as, as Luke mentioned, this is Missions Month. February is always a wonderful time for our church because it gives us an opportunity to kind of pause and uh, highlight all that God's doing globally and locally through His church and also through the missionaries we support. And this year, our Missions Month theme is Incarnational Mission, Living the Gospel for All to See. When we think of the word incarnation, naturally, we think of Jesus because Jesus is God incarnate. The word incarnate just simply means embodied in flesh. And so when Jesus appeared, he appeared in flesh. And so he is God incarnate. Some years ago, the late great New York Yankees player turned broadcaster, Phil Rizzuto, he was speaking with, at that time, the manager of the Yankees, Joe Torre. They're having this conversation, and Phil said, Joe, I think the best place to manage baseball is from up high at the level of the broadcast booth. And Joe Torre thought for a minute, and then he thoughtfully replied to Phil Rizzuto, well, Phil, Upstairs, you can't look them in the eye. And so what Phil heard Joe say was basically, in order for the manager to be able to impact his team, he needs to be right there to look them in the eye. Now, of course, we know that God sees everything from on high. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. So, we know that God sees all of us in the eye, but you get the idea, right? The idea is, in Jesus, God chose to come down to our level, to look us in the eye. And so, as we think about February, and we think about the incarnation of Jesus, what that means for us as his ambassadors is that we are called to carry on the mission in an incarnational way. In other words, we are not only to present the gospel from like afar, but we are called to live out the gospel on a daily basis. The title for this morning's message is For the Sake of the Gospel. For the Sake of of the gospel. The word gospel is just another way of saying good news. So whenever you hear the word gospel, what that just means is good news. And the good news is that Jesus came to offer us eternal life. And as followers of Jesus Christ, you and I, having accepted eternal life, we now represent Christ in everything we do in life. And so everything we do, we do for the sake of of the gospel. So with that in mind, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 
in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We'll look at verses 19 to 23. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 to 23. As you make your way there, I just want to say hello to those who are joining us online. It's always a pleasure to have you join us from wherever you are. We trust that God's word will uh, impact you as you worship with us. The Apostle Paul writes this, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Now, I know there's a lot going on in this passage. It's a very wordy passage. Did you know that Paul was the king of run-on sentences? Okay, Paul never met a comma that he did not like. His sentences just go on and on and on and on. Let me see if I can summarize this passage in just a few words. Here's what Paul is saying. Paul was willing to lay aside his own traditions and comforts in order to reach any audience. I'll say that again. Paul was willing to lay aside his own traditions and comforts in order to reach any audience. Now, what this does not mean is that Paul engaged in a sinful lifestyle so that people would look at him and say, oh, Paul, you're so cool. That's not what we have in mind here. You see, Paul wasn't simply trying to fit in to impress people. That's not what he was about. He was passionate about the gospel, so much so that everything he did was for the sake of the gospel. And that compelled him to lay aside his own traditions, to lay aside his own comforts, and to lay aside his own way of doing things so that he would be able to reach all audiences. His approach to the gospel was not this. Hey, if you want to hear about Jesus, then you need to do it on my terms. That was not his approach. He didn't share the gospel that way. But did you know that his critics actually took that approach? Turn to Galatians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Galatians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. And the Apostle Paul writes here in this letter to the Galatian church, he says, As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? 
If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Go ahead, keep your place here in Galatians. We'll come back to it in just a minute. Paul's critics accused Paul of compromising his standards. They said, Paul, when you're around the Jewish community, you live like them. But then you turn around. When you're around the Gentile community, you live like them. And Paul's like, yes. You see, what his critics failed to see was that the gospel, in fact, broke down cultural barriers and ethnic barriers and national barriers. Paul understood this clearly. His critics, they did not. You see, his critics, they were part of this subgroup within the Jewish Christian community. And this subgroup, this faction, they pressured the Gentile believers to look like them, to eat like them, and to follow their traditions. Paul didn't give in to the pressures of this subgroup. Unfortunately, there was somebody who did give in to the pressures, the apostle Peter. Go to Galatians 2. Verses 11 through 13. Galatians 2, 11 through 13. When Cephas, now Cephas is Peter. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Here's the background. Peter is part of the Jewish community. And for a time, he had no problem eating with the Gentile Believers. He spent a lot of time with the Gentile believers, eating with them. As you know, food is a huge part of any culture. Think about your upbringing. Food was a huge part of it. And the idea of food goes far beyond just the eating of the food. Because when you sit down to share a meal with somebody, when you invite somebody over for a meal, what you're really saying is this. I accept you. Food and acceptance go hand in hand. So Peter, for a time, he would enjoy eating with the Gentile believers. And by his eating with them, he's saying, I accept you. But then what happened was, there was this group within Peter's own community who got uncomfortable. So they pressured him. And because of the pressure, Peter kind of withdrew and he stopped eating with the Gentile Christians. But even worse, he pressured the Gentile believers to look like and to eat like and to follow the traditions of his community. So much so that even Barnabas was pressured into this hypocrisy. And that's why Paul, 
he boldly and he publicly rebuked Peter. And he publicly rebuked Peter because he wanted the Gentile believers to know that they did not have to leave behind their culture. They didn't have to be ashamed of their heritage. Now, let's just pause and just grasp how amazing our God is that this letter to the Galatian believers written centuries ago speaks to us today just as loudly and clearly. Throughout history, as well-intentioned as some Christian missionaries have been, some, over the years, have taken their culture and imposed it upon the people they were ministering to, as if it was synonymous with the gospel. So they would take their culture, they would take the gospel, and then the people could not differentiate between the two. And they thought, oh, if I'm going to become a Christian, I guess i got to do what they do, and i got to do what they tell me to do. Thankfully, over the years, in more recent times, we see a healthier approach to living out the gospel. If you've ever been part of a missions team, you know that one of the most, if not the most, important lessons of any missions training is to first learn the culture of the group you're going to minister to. And part of learning the culture includes, well, learning the language, or at least attempting to learn the language, right? Have you ever been on a missions trip where you've learned certain phrases, and when you go, people are like, whoa, they're just so excited that you actually attempted to learn part of their culture through the language. And you learn about the cultures around the world by learning to eat the foods of those cultures. Again, food in any culture, probably more than any other aspect of a culture, can knock down barriers. It can bring people together. Some of my favorite YouTube channels are those that center around food. I love YouTubers who go worldwide and vlog about their food experiences. And while the food is maybe the, uh, the overall theme of the channel, really what's more appealing is that the food introduces these vloggers to a whole new culture. And so the food is this introduction, this on-ramp, and they immerse themselves in the various cultures of the world. When we share our faith with others, whether it's halfway around the world or whether it's right here in our neighborhoods, it's important to keep in mind that, you know, the only difference between us and those who don't know Jesus, the only difference is that we have received God's mercy. That's the only difference. And I think that if we have that perspective, then it gives us a healthier understanding of what type of mission God has called us to. You see, having this mindset, it keeps us from becoming prideful 
or arrogant. Isn't it true, right? You grew up, you grew up in your culture, whatever your culture might be. And you look at someone else's culture, and usually we look at life through the lenses of our culture, and we think, well, that culture's weird. Well, that food is weird. That food is bizarre. But we're looking at it from our lenses. But when we take a step back and realize, wait a minute, we're part of this vast world. It gives us a healthier perspective. There's so much that we can learn from the cultures around us. And, and what's great is this. Here in Southern California, we have almost every culture represented. If you could all stand up here and look at yourself, it is, it's a beautiful sight. There are so many cultures represented here in Southern California. That's not always the case in some parts of our country. That's not always the case in many parts of the world. In that regard, I believe we are so blessed to live here in Southern California amongst all the wonderful cultures. Paul became all things to all people for the sake of the gospel. I think this. If Paul were living in Southern California in 2022, here's what I think Paul would do. I think every day of the week, he'd go to a different community. And he'd immerse himself in that neighborhood. He'd go there, and he'd, he'd eat all the foods of that neighborhood. He'd go to every imaginable food truck in every imaginable city. And then he would immerse himself by actually participating in that community. And all the while, I think this is what would happen. As he's doing all these things, I think there would be people in his community, his own community, who would go, hmm. And they'd raise their eyebrow at Paul. How dare Paul? Compromising his standards. But that's okay, because you know what? Paul would say this. It's okay. That happened to me in the first century anyway. His own community criticized him for being all things to all people. My question is this, church. How can you and I become all things to all people? That's my question for today. How can we become all things to all people? I want to share with you three practical ways that we can become all things to all people for the sake of the gospel. Number one, it starts with this. Be a good listener. It begins with being a good listener. Did you know that being a good listener goes hand in hand with having the mindset of Christ? You see, the ability to listen well is a characteristic of a humble person. In Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4, it says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Oftentimes, we're too eager to share our own thoughts. And this can happen in any context, right? 
let's say you're having a conversation with a loved one, maybe a spouse. You're having a conversation or a discussion or an argument. And while your spouse is saying whatever your spouse is saying, you're just waiting. You're waiting for that opportunity to just, just, just dive in. And sometimes you can't even wait, so you just interrupt because you want to speak. But you see, understanding the other begins with being a good listener. How about this? Maybe you're at work and you're in a group of coworkers, or maybe you're at church in a group of life group members, and somebody else is sharing an opinion, and you're like, oh, no, 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 that's wrong. You know, no, no, that's wrong. In your mind, you're like, no, no, that's wrong. And so you can't wait to interject your opinion. Or how about this? Maybe you're having a conversation with somebody who does not share your faith. And you're so tempted to talk at that person rather than listen to that person. Be a good listener. One commentator said this, by listening first, the other person becomes an individual we care about rather than simply a mission field to convert. I'll say that again. By listening first, the other person becomes an individual we care about rather than simply a mission field to convert. Let's face it. Nobody, and I mean nobody, likes to be looked upon as a project. Something to be accomplished or something to be conquered. Nobody likes to be looked upon that way. As well-intentioned as we might be in sharing the good news, whether it's on a formal missions trip or in our daily conversations, please, we want to resist the temptation to approach a conversation as if it was simply an assignment, a summer project, something we can check off, something to put on our resume or application. It begins with being a good listener, which then leads us directly to the second practical way that you and I can become all things to all people for the sake of the gospel. Number two, be a humble student of culture. Be a humble student of culture. When I was a college student, my major was sociology. And I think I was drawn naturally to sociology as a major because growing up, I just always, I was always fascinated with just observing people and groups of people. That's why probably, in addition to food channels on YouTube, some of my favorite channels are those where the YouTuber goes and just highlights the different regions of the world. Just in the last two years alone, right? I, I've seen so many videos of places I never ever knew existed. And you know how YouTube works? When you watch a video, the algorithms give you another video, just like it. And then you go down this rabbit hole. And over the last couple of years alone, I've learned about cities I never knew this world had. To the point where I thought, wow, my perspective sometimes is so narrow. And we live in a big, vast 
world. That's why it's important for us to be humble students of culture. Sometimes we think the world revolves around my own culture. The attitude of a humble student is this. I want to learn. The attitude of the critic is this. I've got nothing more to learn. Student, I want to learn. Critic, I've got nothing more to learn. And certainly, as followers of Jesus Christ, it's better to be a student than it is to be a critic. In any area of life, it's better to be a student. Proverbs 29, 23 says this, Pride brings a person low, but the lowly in spirit gain honor. I know we have missionaries here in our midst right now. I can see them. Well-trained missionaries know this. Before they can minister to any particular group, they need to learn the customs and the traditions and the cultural distinctives of that group. The same holds true for us in any context. You know, in any given week, we might find ourselves experiencing a number of different cultures. Now, right now, when I say cultures, right now, what I'm referring to is just simply just the atmosphere of that group, okay? Because everything has a culture, right? So your workplace has a culture. Your school has a culture. Your neighborhood has a culture. Churches have a culture. And from one workplace to another, the culture might be very different. From one school to another, from one church to another, right? You walk into one church, you go, oh, there's a certain vibe, a certain energy, a certain atmosphere. You go to another church, a different atmosphere. So there are different subcultures within the larger understanding of cultures. And of course, as we think about our society, for every interest and hobby and passion and every lifestyle, there is a certain culture. That culture defines that group and church. It is critically important that we as Christ followers understand the particulars of any given culture. That doesn't mean that we have to always agree with everything in that culture. It doesn't mean that we have to always approve of everything in that culture. But you see, here's what happens. When we become humble students of culture, it allows us to see, it allows us to see why people do what they do. And beyond that, here's the beautiful part of this. When we become humble students of culture, it opens doors to find commonality. Again, we may not agree 100% with this culture, that culture, that culture. But if we can find a commonality, it gives us the opportunity. And I'm going to take this one step further and say this. That when we become humble students of culture, it even opens doors for us to participate 
in certain practices of a culture, even if we might have a different perspective on life. As long as it doesn't violate our conscience, as long as we know that what we're doing is done for the honor of God, God can use even the environments and the cultures around us to allow us to find a commonality and to allow us to even participate. For example, because I know that this is something that you might be thinking, what's Tim talking about? For example, over the years, I've had church members come to me, sometimes in tears, because they've had to make hard decisions. They've agonized about making decisions on matters such as attending an event of a loved one who doesn't share the same values. Maybe attending the event of a loved one who may share a different lifestyle. And over the years, people have come to me agonizing. Pastor Tim, what what do I do? Now, these are not hypothetical situations. These are real-life situations. They wonder, if I attend this function, am I endorsing this person? Am I endorsing this lifestyle? Am I compromising my standards? These are real situations. And I imagine many of you here have probably even had to wrestle with these types of situations. Am I lowering, compromising my standards? Here's another example. Over the years, church members have come to me. Pastor Tim, do I take part in this family tradition, this family practice, this family custom that is different than my biblical worldview? That's not an easy decision, is it? And some have agonized over that. Let me, let me take that example for a minute. Let's consider for a moment now that the Bible was written to audiences in a honor-shame culture. That term, honor-shame culture, it might be familiar to some. It might be new to some of you. But the term honor-shame culture, what that basically means is that in a culture, in a society, generally speaking, the group, the tribe, the village, the city takes precedence over the individual. And when you look at Scripture, far more of Scripture is written to groups. And so in an honor-shame culture, what you have is this. You have people minimizing, trying to reduce shame in order for the whole to be honored. 
So it's important for the follower of Jesus Christ to understand this because so many cultures, in fact, far more cultures today operate from an honor-shame perspective. So it's important for the follower of Jesus Christ to understand. And so, as humble students of culture, when we learn about the different cultures, then we recognize, you know what? There's room, even in a space where I may not agree wholeheartedly with this person, but I'm able to love that person and support that person without compromising my standards. Again, Paul became all things to all people. Now, I know this is not an easy subject. Believe me. I've already had good conversations between services. So I don't say this lightly. This is not an easy subject. But consider, if we, before even listening, before even becoming students, if we just say, as we walk down the street, hey, you're a sinner. You need Jesus. He's the only way. If that's our introduction to sharing the gospel, then uh, go back to class, all right? Because if you said that to me in my doorstep, I'd shut the door. So you understand, right? You understand. We want to start by being a good listener. In fact, as we become good listeners, then we become even better students. What happens is this. Many of our conversations at the beginning might involve far more listening than talking. Because then we learn more about the cultures around us. So be a good listener. Be a humble student of culture. And that leads us to the final practical way that we can become all things to all people. And that's this. Be a kind Christian. Now, i got to tell you something funny. This past week when I was preparing this message, I came to this part. I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to call the third point? Right? Whenever you're writing something, you have to come up with something. Hopefully memorable. I'm like, what do I call this third point? And I said, okay, be a kind Christian. And then at that moment, as I typed it into my computer, I laughed out loud. Like, no, duh. I mean, that's a given, right? Be a kind Christian. Why am I uh, reminding the church to be a kind Christian? Well, that's because the reality is uh, Christians are not always kind. That's why the Apostle Paul reminded people in his letters, be kind. Every Christian should be kind because, well, every Christian has experienced the kindness of God. Turn to Titus chapter 3. Look at verses 4 through 6. Titus 3, 4 through 6. The Apostle Paul writes this. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, 
but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the expression of God's love and his kindness to us. So how can we not do for others what God has already done for us? That's the whole idea of incarnational mission. How could we not do for others what God has already done for us? Kindness at its core involves reaching out. God reached out to us, not from afar, but he came to us at eye level, right? And that's the idea as we represent Christ. We do the same thing. We go. We spend time. We immerse ourselves. We listen. We learn and we respond with kindness. Next week, our youth pastor, Kevin Ahn, will continue our series. And I'm looking forward to that because uh, he's going to provide some insights that I believe will exhort us and inspire us to live incarnationally in this day and age. I can't wait to learn with you next week. This week, would you go forward with these words? Be a good listener. Be a humble student of culture. And let's just be kind Christians this week.